0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pollock and Thurston. I am John Pollock, joined each and every week with Brandon Thurston in this collaboration of Post Wrestling and WrestleNomics. It is G one season. We are going to be diving into that, and Brandon, you have been following through your your mobile device. Yes, I, I would show it to you on my phone, yeah, but I don't. I don't want to get killed by uh, TV Asahi. <laughs> I have the the Tamatanga versus Tomohiro Ishii main event paused right now. Okay, we're not going to ruin that main event for you. No, uh, so that is that is still to come. But uh, later in the show, Brandon and I will be catching you up on all of the television viewership figures from the last couple of days including is Dama draw we're going to find that answer out by the end of this show as well we were both on the tony con media call so we will chat about that as uh brandon is that uh, maybe we'll talk about the viability of a three-hour block of aw on yeah. wednesday nights which was i think the uh a uh, very love that i asked that question well it's it was a very good question to ask but the man that we are going to be joined with right off the top you know, you know him from all of the stats that bring the G1 to life through Kevin Kelly on commentary. He is the Chris Samsa on Twitter. And today it is the Chris Samsa on Pollock and Thurston. Chris, how are you? I'm awesome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It is great to, uh, to, to have you on and, and for some out there putting a, a face to the name and you have become, I think for, for the English uh, audience out there, uh, a vital component of the G1 climax experience because this is one of the tournaments in pro wrestling that it is very much like you can get into it just based on the numbers and stats and it just adds so much more. Like we don't have. Outside of the Royal Rumble, I can't think of any other wrestling events that generate pools among people, and that is so much stat-based, and the G1 has certainly become that for uh, math nerds.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's how I got into it, too. It's just the G1 rolled around, and I just wanted to understand what was happening. Um, as I was you know, watching this product that was in a, a different language, I figured the, the most common language is, is math, right? Um, so I, I started plugging some numbers away and, and somehow ended up here talking to you guys, which is a thrill. Yeah. I, I don't know
2: how many times I heard your name. It was quite a few from Kevin Kelly as I was cramming in, in the, uh, the last two days of the G1 today. Um, just how, how did this come to be where like you're giving stats to, to Kevin Kelly? Was it just you're doing it online? You're doing such a good job of, of doing it online that they, they, you know, adopted you or, or how did it come to be?
1: Sort of. Yeah. I mean, I, I started to do it. Um, I started, like I said, I started to do it for myself. Um, in the kind of late teens, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, as a as a form of figuring out how to understand this the whole world, right? And like, really, I I like to dig in on stuff like that too. And I have a background in data analysis, so I figured I would tie some passions together and and start to make some you know Excel documents. But yeah, basically, what happened was I I started to do it. Honestly, what ha- I I I went to all in. In 2018, and I was just like inspired by this like community of people that like really enjoyed this thing that I also really enjoyed. You know, and I'm a Chicago guy, so I was like, man, these people came to my city. Like, how can I kind of give back to this world, to this community? And I started to just put it online, figuring like it'll just be a Twitter hobby, right? And then one day, you know, I, I was like, this is pr- kind of fully formed. So I tagged, you know, Kevin and Chris and Rocky in a Google sheet and um, got a message from, what I who I now know as Kevin Kelly, I didn't know it was him at the time because it was it was from his kind of personal email address, and I was like, he was like, hey, can you share this with me so I can update it? I was like, nope, hey, no problem, I'll keep it updated. And then I, you know, later that day, I like put the pieces together. I was like, oh, that's that's Kevin. Um, and then yeah, from there, it's just kind of been a groundswell, and I I've kind of just been able to dig in, and and I've got this kind of set of documents that I can work with, and. Um, of course, I've gone back and, and grabbed a ton of history past there, too, and and still doing more of that now. And and yeah, I think I I think I've made myself uh, into a little bit of a resource for them. So and, you know, built friendships along the way. Can you take us as.
0: I know it's, it's probably a very involved process. I always try to extract this out of Brandon and and his uh, whole process, but I mean, when G1 season is looming, like what is, what is sort of like your, your database and where, where are you starting from each year when it comes to coming up with what essentially now with, you know, the adoption that Kevin has made on these broadcasts, like these become like stories throughout the G1 that are tying people in. So just t- tell us a little bit about what is involved on your end and how far out you're plotting all of like updating the stats. Is it a year round process?
1: Yeah, I, I really just at this point, keep everything up to date. Um, this year's G1 prep got a little sidetracked because someone asked me to pull some stuff of, regarding AEW um, and y- y'all can figure out who that was. Um, so I got, I got totally distracted and, and I honestly through that process, ended up rebuilding all my New Japan documents too, and even going further back. So now I even have better data. But yeah, I mean, my approach to what I do, it changes depending on what we've got going on. But ultimately, I think the best thing that I can do is highlight the reasons uh, that maybe like the underdog is going to win, right? Or like giving giving reasons, planting seeds of doubt based in data whether that's going further out and looking at it kind of on a macro level or looking at like this person has never won a match in this tournament in this venue or in this city. So that's a big piece of the puzzle. And, you know, I've never even shared this with Kevin, but like when I know he's doing commentary solo, like he did, you know, today and yesterday, I, I kind of give a little extra, I give more, you know, little nuggets and notes and, 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 you know, I, I, I kind of approach it as being the ghost commentator that's not actually sitting there. But I want to be able to contribute to, to a great product for New Japan because it, I, it's just a really neat... I think it's a really neat presentation of pro wrestling. And I think the New Japan fan base and community is one of the best in the business. I think they're just a bunch of really good people that want to get into this product. And I want to make that more approachable by making it kind of using common language.
2: So, like, what is the the data that you're relying on? You're using
1: cage match data. I, th- I think I shared some cage match data. with You You have shared some right? cage match data with me. Yeah. For New Japan, I I take most of it from the official website, um, just because it's a little more in depth. I get fall data, so like who got the winning fall, the losing oh, fall, wow. whether whether it was a pin or a submission. So I have all of That's that. Not all. a cage
2: match. You, it you is have not. to. It's just just this team won. This team won. So,
1: yes, oh, wow. correct. So. The, the fall data becomes really important, especially through tag team matches, as well as it's just a, it's an interesting way to look at what New Japan does because winning and losing falls are really important in that company. Um, and then I get, um, finish data too. I have who, what was the finish and whether, you know, I like to track whether it's a pin or a submission and then, you know, which finish it was too. So you I've Excel kind, for all this. Hmm? Just Excel. Oh my God. Well, Excel, Python, you oh, know, you I mean, you know, pi- you know oh, Python. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I'll, I'll be so, back. I'll yeah. Just we go can, <laughs> <classes>. <laughs> we can compare notes. Um, I had a very difficult day with Python today, but it's, it's got to do. With <laughs> I've had a couple of controller. difficult days as I rebuilt, <laughs> uh, some things, but yeah. Um, yeah. So the time put into keeping things up to date is probably similar to how you do yours, Brandon. It's, you know, you pull things and you, you put the pieces together and then you know, you run the numbers and then you can kind of analyze it from there. So because, you know, my what I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on data entry, right? I want to spend time on like poking away at the different tables and charts that I'm able to kind of pull up and pull together. And I've got a lot of it automated now. Um, a lot of it just happens in the background, which is kind of neat. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a process over the four years that I've been doing this to like build some efficiencies in and and, you know, ultimately that gives me the time to find the fun mm-hmm. stuff that I you know can either share with the community or share with Kevin. So are you automatically like scraping the match results from the official website? That's the objective. We haven't quite gotten to that yet. Um but I can make a JSON of all the the events that I want it to pull and that that's above my level and yeah. plug it in. So yeah, I can connect you with my guy who's <laughs> who's very I'm good not. at this. Yeah. I don't uh, <laughs> I know, it's I know how, to, I ultimately know how to use it all, but I don't necessarily know how to, I know how to use it and edit it a little bit to, to do exactly what I needed to do. But um, for a while there, I was doing manual data entry and I was like, there's got to be a better way. Um, and there is. So yeah, so I get to spend more time kind of filtering and moving things through and making pretty graphics for the New Japan website and stuff like that. So it's, it's been a neat ride to, and I, you know, I like to learn stuff. That's really what it all comes down to is if I'm if I'm if I'm learning something, then I I can find some value in it, even if uh, nothing really interesting pops up out of out of the scrape or the data.
0: Do do you see ways like this might be a far fetched question that that just, you know, with the proliferation of AI and where technology is going, like, can you see areas of just your day to day work that can make life easier for People like Brandon, people like yourself, like, are you starting to see hints of like, man, this could be really cool if this was, um, artificially intelligence based and where data consumption can go? Like, we dive so, this is a community that dives so deep into numbers and
1: television numbers, and the G1 is just a, a branch on that tree. Um, maybe. I, Microsoft has actually been really good about adding efficiencies to Excel and to, to Word in the past three or four years. And I think that they're trying to get ahead of AI taking over kind of their product platforms. Um, my wife works in HR and HRIS is, you know, a, uh, human resources information systems are all based on, you know, Excel data and and being able to organize uh, information like that. And in her industry, there's a ton of talk about AI and how to how to make it useful so that you know people can focus on humans or the the interest of the data instead of organizing the data. So yes, and that's kind of a long way of saying yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. I I've got my situation pretty well set up. Um, I can't imagine needing more information than I have right <laughs> now. Um, but. I would, I would take it if someone had it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, but like, I'm using it every day, like all the time. It's just replaced Googling for me when it comes to coding things, or even I've used it for some Excel stuff that I didn't know sure. how to do. So it's, 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 I'm using it every day in that
1: way. Yeah. 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 I, I think as a resource. So I, like I said, on my end, like I, I'm, I'm a learner. So I, I do want to know what's happening and how it's happening. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know that that would necessarily fit for me now, Brandon, you're, you, you're, you have, I have this one month where I'm like grinding on this stuff and everything else is like single event based, you know, over the past four years, I've covered over 250 events for new Japan. So that's, that's quite a bit, but you're every day. Um, so I can't imagine, um, not having either help or AI in, in your type of situation. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I do think that data can go that direction without a doubt. What did you think
0: about when AEW was getting started? Like one of the kind of polarizing elements was this, uh, incorporation of rankings and heavy bases, basing things on records and such. And they've certainly kind of d- diminished that as AEW has continued. And I always thought like there is something that can be done. It's just the, the execution and how it gets, um, processed. What, what did you think about sort of their rollout? And do you think it could work on a more macro level to the, to the wrestling audience, such as like, an AEW because that did seem to be a sticking point with some, but it it was also something that would differentiate themselves.
1: Yeah. When they started to do that, I was writing a weekly column at voices of wrestling kind of against their or, or comparing my rankings with theirs. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I had started to pull AEW stats because I thought that was going to be a big piece to their presentation over time. That has kind of uh, diminished a little bit. It's still there though. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, Kevin, Kevin shot me a note before he started on collision and he asked if I had anything for AEW and I did. And, and a lot of it felt appropriate for what they do. But, um, you know, in, with, in regards to the rankings, it's, it's really a matter of how you prioritize just certain things, right? Whether that's the winning fall and the losing fall or time in the ring or how long is it taking you to win versus how long is it taking you to lose? There's kind of all these little elements that you could make some sort of formula and do some sort of formulaic. Um, ranking if, if you really wanted to, like I could absolutely do a database ranking, um, based on AEW, but it would be based against my ideals of what I think a successful wrestler does. Um, obviously there's, there's people there that also have their own ideals. So it would have to be some sort of, um, you, you would figure if they were going to do that, they would have some sort of collaborative effort to to put that together and how do you weight certain things and you know if they ever do that i kind of hope to get a, an email or a call with to to ask for either data or input because i i probably have it more than they have because i have fault data for aw and and things of that sort too so um yeah but so again long answer long way of saying yes i think it could but i i just don't know that they really they never leaned in completely to that, like we're a sports-based presentation. And I, you know, to their credit, they're doing what they need to do to, to to put on a show that's more approachable to the U.S. audience. And I think they do a great job. I'm an AEW fan. The last time I saw Brandon was in a at an AEW show. Um, Brandon was sitting on all all out right all out last year i think i saw brandon head in a laptop in the in the back of a a luxury suite (laughs) it was was a great it was a good time yeah we had a really good time but yeah so um that was before the press conference i guess yes just before it was yeah so i i i wish they would do a little bit more with that and you know um and like i said i hope if that ever comes up i would they all know where to find me i think
2: I guess like in in doing rankings, I've done like some ELO stuff, which is a chess ranking. Which I don't know. It's just a very systematic way to do it. And I've only done it doing dealing with singles matches so far. I have taken a crack recently on trying to include tag matches. But like, it it sounds like you, you use something that's different, and you're you're weighing different elements, you know, according to your ideal. But like, what what do you think is important to to weigh in that system?
1: I think recency is probably the biggest thing. Um, because, because how that, how AEW seems to work is like people get fired up really quickly. And I think if, um, if, if you, if you really weigh the last 30 days or the last four dynamites or the last 90 days, however you want to scale that out, I think if you, if you weigh that heavily, I think you'll line up with exactly what the company is doing. Um, most of the time, sometimes, you know, I, and I, I live in the world in New Japan, right, where a guy walks out at the end of a show and he's the next title challenger that has nothing to do with data and stats. Um, but sometimes I can find how they got there. Um, but at AEW, kind of similarly, it's more, you know, personal issue uh, based. And, and but I think that you could you could maneuver numbers to say whatever you want them to. And I think that to, to some extent, that's what they're already doing.
0: We're four days in so far to the g one. How have you uh what's been your takeaways from the first four days, the format with the 20 minute time limits how how they're working so far? they've thrown in a, in a couple of draws
1: what are some of your your big picture thoughts four days in? Sure. the 20 minute time limit threw off all of my records and data. Um, just fewer variables are good for me, but um, adding that 20 minute time limit, I think as a as a presentation of the product is really has really been great um i think the first four days have been really good there's been some really great standout matches i think will osprey versus tai Chi was incredible um i think that the g1 has kind of a scale right you're going to get some really really high-end stuff and just by the sheer nature of volume you're going to get some stuff that doesn't land but it's all going to serve a purpose at the end right and that's kind of the whole that's the whole game here is that at the end of this whole thing, it's all probably going to make sense. And some of it's just balancing the the score sheet. But, you know, the 20 minute time limit, I think, has added a sense of urgency. Uh, In 2020 and 2021, we were breaking pretty much every record for ring time that I've ever seen. And that, I think, was a point of contention for the fan base. And I think it's really good that New Japan reacted against it. And they're giving a chance to some of these young guys to build up some stories, right? So you've got Amino, Tsuji, and narita and they're you know they're all in the same block and we're looking at a bunch of draws with them and i think that you, you wouldn't have been able to do that at 30 minutes so um the pacing is is good and and i think so far it's been a it's been a fun tournament i think we're once we get to the cork and hall shows next week and hit tokyo and then osaka and some of the some of the more rowdy crowds i think we're really going to have a great you know tail end of the block uh season here
0: yeah, Yamagata seemed like a substitute for like a funeral home, uh, that yes. they were in. I mean, my God, this was like, did you say a Costco? I just, that was it. It was a giant <laughs> Costco venue. I mean, today's show in, in Sendai, I mean, the atmosphere, it was, yep. it was night and day. It was just like, my God, uh, the difference between the two days.
1: Yeah. That Zebbio Arena is great, a great crowd and a great arena. Mm-hmm. It's just a really good looking place and that that matters so much. I mean, they couldn't get the, I think the story was in, in Yamagata, they couldn't get the lighting rig like to work. So they had to use the house lights, which created, you know, a vibe that you, you so aptly described. <laughs> it's
0: like 1200 people in a venue that looked like it could see like 4,000. That's, that's what it, what it looked like. And you got to see all those, those empties. And there was something when you have Kevin Kelly saying, you know, it's not the, uh the biggest atmosphere in this venue compared to other places, but uh, th- there was no real uh, uh spinning it on that at this point. Um, when you're looking at like the field of uh, 32 with the four blocks, this is the, the second year in a row for this. How have you liked the the separation of the blocks now? And as well, like you have two top finishers in each one and sort of that playoff format.
1: Yeah, the the four block format, I, I am pro four block format officially. Last year, though, was a mess, but it gave me a lot to do, right? Because I had guys with you know, seven or eight days off. And I got to kind of establish some data points there. But there was no consistency in anybody's schedule last year. This year, we've got even number in the blocks, you've got eight matches per show, it's much more clean, you've got A and B, and then you've got C and D. I think that the scheduling is pretty much as good as you can do if you want to include 32 guys in this tournament. And I'm extremely excited for the kind of knockout stage, the quarterfinals, the semis. Uh, because I think that that's going to be a really exciting run. So I think those last seven shows, the last block night, where we're really figuring out who's going to land where, and then the um, the the single elimination nights are going to be really, really high end stuff. And, and you you follow the other Japanese promotions fairly closely, right? Am i yeah. I'm, I'm,
2: you know you're one of the people who I've bothered in the past uh, for uh, you know i've got some story that i'm trying to figure out uh, with uh you know japanese promotions especially beyond new japan So, like what is it, it, it seems like noah's heating up a little bit i mean do you have any any view on like who's up and who's down in japan i it's just according to the stuff that i look at like google trends for what that's worth stardom has really been on the rise for the last few years and it's kind of leveling out at, at, a, at a fairly high level but leveling out um and there's dragon gate and ddt and others that you might like, put in the mix just Wondering your thoughts on just the the state of Japan in general.
1: Yeah, I think I I think the reason we're seeing a lot of Japanese companies work together is because they're trying to lift up the whole industry. And I I do think you know obviously New Japan's the leader in the industry, and that's pretty clear. But I don't think they're doing the gangbusters business that they used to do either, right? So they're trying to build that back too. So you know, with that said, yeah, Noah is probably the the second kind of key player in the sense of having some history, being able to, you know, scale out, you know, they did all the stuff with Mudo. They, they had a, they, they've got a, a fan base that I think is uh, passionate about what they do in particular. And honestly, what they do is even more sports oriented in their presentation um, than, than even, even new Japan. So of course, stardom, right. The, within the Road family, we've got stardom and they're, they're, Obviously, in a in a pretty solid spot, they've done some pretty hefty growing. Um, but I think everyone else besides kind of those three, we're going to you're going to see someone get hot for a little bit. And some of that's going to be based on who's who and, and who's where. But, you know, between DDT and um, Dragon Gate and eight, all, all Japan, you know, sometimes they have a good run where, where people are really enjoying what they're doing. Um, and are and are buying tickets, right? That's that's kind of the Japanese version of of ratings is how many tickets are they selling. And, you know, everything's kind of a little bit down, but I, I do think the end is in sight. I think if you look at Japan and culturally, I think they're at least two years behind where America was at with COVID and being comfortable going back out and cheering and getting back into kind of their their regular life. So I'm hopeful that the growth just kind of continues in the right direction for, for everyone. Cause I think a lot of those products, you know, are, are worth people's time. And in, in New Japan, I think we would all agree by far number one. I think stardom number two. Does, does that sound right to you? I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to say definitively. Um, and I don't really want to get that, those tweets. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to. I'm gonna to defer to the attendance numbers that I'm sure someone can scrape or pull from uh wherever they, they choose. Use threads to test out your opinions before you take them to yes, Twitter. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. I've got a blue sky now too, so who knows?
0: Yeah, I've I jumped on threads. I, I do have to say that after like ten days, it's a little boring on threads. Like it does it does kind of lack the uh my my, my need to go there on a daily it's getting close basis. Getting clubhouse vibes, I think. Yeah, Ooh. I know. We'll see how it does. Uh let's let's end on this because one of the big themes of this year has been, man, getting a rocket on several of these guys that are all featured in the G1, Yodasuji being one of them. And as well, like your Tanahashis, your Naitos, your Ishis, they're all getting another year older. What have you felt about the return of a number of these talents from the excursions and a lot of the dynamic booking this year? Like seeing Yoda Suji headline Dominion, like this has been this has not just been a conservative year for for ghetto and the booking style. And I think the G one will probably reflect that with several big upsets and elevation of various talents.
1: Yeah. I I've said since, you know, I was previewing wrestle kingdom. I did kind of my, my, my tour of podcasts around that time. And I was pointing at this year as a, as a real year of transition for new Japan. And that, that has come true. So I feel a little Nostradamus, but like, I think, I mean, we all see it, right? We all see some of these guys that we're, we're used to seeing at the top of the card at New Japan and we're seeing them slow down. And that's what happens with athletes. And, and over time, that's what happens. And I think development of wrestlers got stalled via the pandemic with New Japan, which gave them this gift of one year where everyone's ready to come back and be a part of kind of some bigger stories. So. You know, as we transition away from talking about things like attendance, I I can't, I can't say I would expect some of these cards or main events necessarily to be selling at a really high level. But I do expect us to be pointing to this G1, specifically with Suji and Narita and um, Umino and pointing back to this G1 in five or 10 years as one that established a lot of these long term stories. So I think we've planted a lot of brand new seeds and they're going to grow and we're going to have some really good stuff to work with over the next couple of years. And there's going to be some growing pains in that, in, in, in that situation. So, um, but I, am glad it's come true. I, I mean, the rocket strap to Suji surprised everyone. Um, but I don't think they were wrong to do it either because he is, he's got a lot of the, the different skills and tools and talents that he needs to be a top guy, especially for that company. Well, on that note, Chris, uh, I know we'll be, uh, we'll be hearing your name
0: drops, uh, throughout the G1 and beyond and even on collision, uh, some of these Saturdays as, as well. So, uh, it was great to have you on and enjoy the rest of the G1. I'm sure we will be chatting with you, uh, again in the future. Do you, do you have a bold prediction on, on who is, who's winning this year's G1? I,
1: I have intentionally not predicted anything for this year's okay. G1. Um, mostly because I have been a part of certain prediction things before and I, I had a tendency to win them and given my role now, I try to give back to the community and I don't want to take that joy away from them. So I've been, that, intended- that's a humble brag. If I ever heard one, <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I heard, I heard you guys talking about it on the, the other, the show the other day. And I was like, I have to have an answer for that. <laughs> um, So I, I did want to th- throw that in there that I used to run some contests, but I, you know, I had the challenge of always being right. No, this year's so weird. Um, It's so weird. And it's hard to, it's hard to guess. Um, you could do, you could obviously do a chalk final eight and go through it and figure out where you land, but nothing about this year with new Japan has been chalk. Even, even the best of super juniors final with Titan getting in there and things like that. So, um, tough to, tough to, tough to bet, but I'm, I think I'm just going to try to enjoy it as a, as a fan in that way. Yeah. In any of the pools
2: I've done, Gato always outsmarts me. I'm, I'm he'll get you in the end. Yeah. yeah the the post wrestling family block, uh, the, the scoring that, that, uh, Full Wrestling has up there. You're doing I'm, all right. You're,
0: you're coming the bottom. In. You're doing much better than I am, John. I think you're out of the basement now. I think Wade yes. has taken that distinction from you, but, uh, do follow the man at the Chris Samsa on Twitter. And, uh, we will definitely uh, chat with you again, Chris. And, uh, thanks a lot for, uh, jumping on with us and chatting. You're someone I definitely want to talk with for, uh, for a while.
1: Thank you guys. Big fan of posts. I appreciate you
0: having me. Yeah, all right. Everyone. Thank you. That is Chris Samsa. His stats, uh, it's always fun during the G1 because you really do get the sense like on on the English side, like they are in there. It's not like they have a producer in their ear. So like they are effectively laying out their own stories as they see them unfold. And the stats are a big backbone of that, that sometimes materialize, sometimes don't in in front of you. But it's it's as close as you're going to get to calling a legitimate sports contest because like they're out there just calling what they see. Yeah, I'm I- trying to thread these shows together and the different performances. Yeah, I
2: kind of wish I, I spoke different languages as far as like you know you can change the language on on I guess WB and, and others and and like listen to people who are not really being produced as and controlled as much and, and given as much background information just to see where they go with it. So it's interesting. I think that's kind of what the vibes I'm getting when I listen to the English commentary for New Japan.
0: Any any big takeaways from you uh watching the G1? You've been cramming through it, you're almost up to date. Yeah, well, watching would be a strong word. It was it was on. I should I should be fair here. It was it was on while I was doing things
2: today throughout throughout the day um ho- hopefully it's gonna it's gonna be a new japan uh, g1 climax that lives up to the you know to the history of, of, of new japan that that third show was pretty dire um what i saw of the of the fourth show is was, was quite a better you've watched it was a pick pickup from it, four day already, three
0: right? was the low point so far for me yeah. the uh the first half of that show was pretty skippable uh but yeah. but a, a better outing on on tuesday for those that are keeping track and if you want to, you can go to postwrestling.com slash G1. That is where all of our our shows are up, and you can follow along with the contest and see how the E-Block is doing, the post-wrestling crew, including Brandon Thurston in there, and uh, we're going to see. Like the G1, You get the, you get off to a slow start, but then the momentum builds throughout the tournament, so Brandon Thurston might be looking down at all of us by the end of this pool. I highly doubt it, but we'll see. Well, the media pool got together on Tuesday for the tony Khan media call to promote both blood and guts and the roh death before dishonor pay-per-view both brandon and i were present on this call overall i thought this was one of tony Khan's better um calls that he did i found and you tell me if you thought differently i thought his answers were way more succinct than usual you didn't get like the the lengthy kind of just heavy heavy promotion stuff like he was to me pretty succinct and there were a fair amount of news items that uh came up and you could see he was seemed to be going out of his way to give more meaningful answers than you might get in a, in a typical uh media availability. Like your your answer, like at one point I thought I lost the feed and it was him like literally contemplating his answer with you about the uh the, the three hour block there.
2: Yeah, if you want to start there, I, I I asked him if he was open to the idea of a three hour dynamite. I'm yes. sure people
0: love hearing that. Um but it I um your idea though would be not just it would be would it be better served of producing the same amount of hours but instead of this 1 hour island that is rampage on Friday nights having a 8 to 11 block on Wednesday nights making that that third hour on Wednesday. Yeah and I need to give credit to the uh, Pesic or Bust on Twitter is,
2: is the one who put this in my head that you know exactly if If you took, if you got rid of Rampage, I guess, and which it's, it's not going to happen during this term, but maybe in the next TV deal term in 2024, um, that, you know, Rampage is doing like a 0.10 in the demo, something like that.
0: That's Um, what it did this past Friday. Right. And so there's no way that's happening on a Wednesday at,
2: uh, 10 PM. Exactly. And, and if you just replaced Rampage with, with whatever TNT's, you know, fare is at, at 10 o'clock on a Friday, which is probably you know, part of a movie or something like that, you could probably do pretty similarly to what Rampage is delivering. Um, maybe better. And exactly if you had a, a three hour dynamite, yes, it would be a lot less viewed than the earlier first two hours, but it would be probably still holding up in a, in a 0.20 range or something like that. And, you know, if I'm the network, I probably want that. Now I know there's a stigma of the three hour raw and it's so long uh, I think what John Pollock has called the the deathbed hours of raw the the hours <laughs> of watching the show that you're you're going to contemplate on your deathbed uh but it it's definitely the better way to to deliver ratings for them I I his response was noncommittal I mean as as you'd expect but I got the sense that he had never really thought about it I not like, in in this context yeah, that's
0: the, he really did seem that way like he was like he didn't it, it really sounded to me he did not want to give you just something like throwaway answer. Like he was working it out in his head as he was answering. Yeah. I mean, this, this has been brought up in,
2: in the context of when Rampage was being introduced, he said, and I did check and see that. he Yes. He did say this at at the time, a couple of years ago now that, you know, that the network wanted to do a third hour of dynamite. He didn't want to do that. I think part of it was, you don't want to, you don't want to be like WWE and and making people feel like they have to watch a long show every week. Uh, And then he wanted to do a separate show on a separate night. Um, But now you know, there's three shows and one of them's not doing particularly well, Rampage. I think it'd be, it'd be the better thing for the business to, to stack it on top of Dynamite, I guess. I mean, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of what the arguments are against it. You know, losing a show, Rampage is kind of losing face, I guess, if you're
0: just going to get rid of it and toss it. Um, but, and not if you're there. making it up on, Like you're supersizing your Wednesday night show. And I guess it's, you would certainly have, I think the, the comparisons to a three hour raw that is going to be negative to some. But again, like I, I think this idea is, you know, you're being confronted with it right now. We've just added another night of the week. Uh, that to me is a much bigger commitment from your average fan than tacking on an hour to a night that you're already planning to sit down and watch professional wrestling so I think you know it's like we are in the era of just more content and more more hours like the idea of you know having our free time in mind like that is there's just not the evidence to back it up that that is enough of a deterrent to tack on like another hour here or there. And, and the
2: argument that people used to make against the third hour of raw and oh yes they're making a lot more money because they're doing three instead of two um, but isn't it hurting WWE more to have that third hour, uh, than they are ma- in the long run? Isn't that hurting them and their brand and their popularity, you know, offsetting and then some the extra money that they're making. I mean, that's, it's an argument one could make. It's impossible to prove, of course, but I don't see it as being that, bad of a thing that offsets the extra
0: money that comes with it. That I think you could look in like waves. In like certainly when they moved to the three hours, which by the way, this Sunday is the, it marks 11 years since we have had yeah. the start of three hour rods, right. 11 years. Um But yeah, when it started, like you didn't see that deterioration. Now in time, like we saw the habits change completely. Would you, what would you learn from the three hour raw format. If you are AEW, would you just accept that in time you would have a similar viewing pattern where the third hour would be the lowest or like, is there anything to learn from the format that you could, you know, peak your main event? Um, and that there would be an audience that could stick around in the third hour because when raw first started doing these one off, uh, three hour shows, it was always the first hour that got killed because that was not the traditional time you would tune in for raw. It was nine till 11 was hammered into your head and it right. was only when they started the regular three hour raws that in time it was the third hour that would become the lowest. Yeah, I don't know. I mean the, the first hour of
2: Dynamite right now is, is advantaged by the, the viewership the that in. they inherit from from the lead in from Big Bang Theory. Um that that makes me tend to think that it would be there, you know, it's just on a natural decline as it is. I don't know if that's still in play at, at ten o'clock versus, you know, we're talking about what was on the air at seven thirty. Um but no I I don't know. I I when we have all the data in the spreadsheet and, and you look back at those earlier years of raw and there, there isn't the, the giving up at 10 o'clock at the beginning for years, it, it's doing fine, I think. And and in, in, in more recent years, I think like around the time that they got rid of the overrun for raw, um, it seemed like they sort of gave up on putting the main event of the show, the most important thing on the show on at, at ten fifty.
0: Um, So it's just how, how you structure it. Maybe. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it was a really interesting question because it's one that I I had not given much thought to. And when you see the attempts to keep that audience from power slap to all access that's not been able to do it, it seems like a natural that in these talks like this would not come up in the discussions of why don't we just like it's really at no added cost to AEW to you've got everything in place. You're in an arena and you make that last hour live instead of holding right. it off for two days. And then. Practically everything you're doing is
2: live because you're doing a separate taping for Collision, which is live. Maybe there's some exceptions, but yeah. and the same thing
0: for Dynamite. Light. Uh, some other notes uh, tonight is Blood and Guts and ticks has it now at over 8,400 people. So yeah. this has been a big success for them when you look at where they started when tickets went on sale and then the announcement of Blood and Guts, the announcement of the participants and then the surprise additions last week. This has steadily grown and more than... Justified their decision to move up from the Agganis Arena to the TD Garden, which is the the major arena in Boston. Right. I don't think they're taking on a ton
2: more expensive. I'm sure it is more expensive to run TD Garden than Agganis Arena, but in the context of probably about in the neighborhood of a half a million dollars production cost, probably not that much of an incremental cost to go from the smaller venue to the bigger venue. Um, will be interesting to see what it does for a TV rating. As, as you're uh, go, going through this, I'm reminded that I had a dream last night about about like TV ratings. It's just. There's, there's not, not enough going on in my life, I guess. Um, but we'll, we'll see.
0: Uh, last, last week was two nine, I think. I think we, we, we break it right here. <laughs> uh, that's right. We, we got the, uh, the, the dynamite drop, uh, last week. And yes, it was a 0.29, 825,000 viewers last week. So I would think that you'd be aiming for certainly to hit a 0.30. You would hope for, for this show and, Blood and guts probably similar to the tag match we saw in collision, probably taking up close to an hour of television time tonight. Yeah, it did last year. And, it, and these long matches do a good job
2: of holding on to the, to the audience. It's not like, you know, a, a wrestling audience in 2023 gets bored and they, they tune out. They, they stick with it and, and the finishes usually, you know, a, a end up increasing the audience. Um, do you want to talk about NXT ratings? Cause I've got the quarter
0: hours in front of me. I can describe them to you. Yes, um, let's go and hear. Uh, this is one. This was the Dominic show where he was uh, challenging for and won the NXT North American Championship from Wesley. And uh, I haven't even seen the U.S. numbers. So you can uh, release them for us uh, if people have not yeah, already seen them. It's on the Russell Onyx Twitter now, but
2: it's a 0.21 in the demo. 746,000 viewers this is total total viewership, Um, which is up from the last few weeks. So I'm pretty sure. Um that's in the neighborhood. It's, it's higher actually than collision did. Not to make a comparison, but there's a comparison. Uh, the, the main event, the last segment, there's no overrun again for this, for the second week in a row. It looks like maybe they're done with the overrun, but who knows? Um, the last 15 minutes was the peak of the show in total viewership. Was it the peak of the show in the demo too? It was. Um, 844,000 viewers is what the last 15 minutes did, which, which was. <laughs> Big draw Dom. <laughs> Big draw Dom. Yeah. Uh, versus Wesley for the North American title judgment day was there too. So, uh, but it, it grew the audience 21%, which is huge. Uh, it grew the demo 13%. So this is, you know,
0: it's, it by, tells by me my, it's, I, it's a great short term idea to have Dominic, um, inserted into NXT. <laughs> like it meant something, um, far more than he's going to mean on his own challenging for a title on raw or SmackDown, um, Canada. It was, uh, similar. Like they did, uh, 94,600 viewers and to put that in the context that's the largest nxt number i have for nxt in canada um so this to me again it's it's a certainly a smaller number than the u.s but regardless um it was it was a spike you rarely see for nxt like this is you know last week's show for instance did uh 78,000 viewers so it was uh it was up this week in canada as well so i'm very curious to see
2: what happens? I mean, with, with the TV deal in terms of NXT, I, I, cause I think we, we know that NXT expires in the fall, maybe the end of September or something like that. And they're really, you know, souping up NXT and putting main roster people on the show. And it, it is performing. It's performing better than, than it was before they started doing that. Um, so I'm curious to see if Raw and SmackDown get renewed before NXT expires so that NXT can be included in this deal. Um I think that's a good, you know, a date to watch is towards the end of September if W comes out with a new deal before then.
0: Yeah, you would think that it would be, you know, to their advantage to wrap all this together, but it you know, it has certainly this move of getting more main roster involvement, it's certainly paid off uh for the short term now, as I think you use the term, is this just uh Cramming for the exam the night before. And if they're going to see this, the, you know, do they get their deal? And then this slowly just gets, we keep our talent separate, uh, a- afterward and we just go back to strict NXT. Or if this is something where they can find, you know, it's a haven for your Baron Corbin's and your Dana Brooks that can be sent off there for six months and then brought back to one of the raw SmackDown brands a- as well. But it's at least short term, it's paying off for them. Just appearances have been able to generate an interest, uh, much less someone going for a title in this case with Dominic. Right. And, and it's, I mean, in, in, in fairness to NXT, their, their ratings and their, the
2: age of their viewers too, was improving before they started to do this. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so uh, NXT was at a low point during the 2.0 era. And since whatever, whatever they've gotten out of that ratings have improved and the, and the audience has gotten a little bit younger, still in the fifties for a median viewer, but, uh, but better. Um, and we do have the, the Abdul the Butcher, Dark Side of the Ring episode did 178,000 viewers, which is up from last week's, uh, episode on Eater and Adonis, which was 152. So, uh, I, it was, it's that on the level of previous episodes. It's, it's not, uh, it's not that trend that's
0: continuing to grow. Uh, some the of peak was, been- the peak was Junkyard Dog at 229,000 viewers. Then yep. they took the week off for the 4th of July yep. and came back with Adonis. And next week is Bam Bam Bigelow. So once again, Really? They have bumped Bash at the Beach for the second time. I don't want to put things together, but as soon as we stated that David Bixen's band would be coming on the show to chat about Bash at the Beach 2000, this show mysteriously gets bumped week after week, yeah. and now it's uh, been pushed off for for two more weeks. Did Bix must have gotten to an argument on Twitter with the uh, the Vice TV scheduler or something? It was funny because I log on in Canada. You have to log on to this service called Crave to stream yeah. Dark Side of the Ring. So I logged in on Tuesday night. And there was Bash at the Beach 2000. I was like, did they upload the wrong episode? And I clicked on it, and it was a dead link. And within an hour, they had replaced it with the Abdullah the Butcher episode. But I thought, man, maybe there's a glitch in the system, and this Bash at the Beach episode is going up, wow. but not the case. Did you see the Abdullah episode? I have not. I've heard people talk about it, but I have not seen it. It was um, it was something. Um, I wanted to also uh, just ask you about some of the other topics that came up in the media call. We are mm-hmm. getting closer and closer to this all-in event that we still do not have the broadcast information for, but Tony Khan has stated that people will get to watch this. It will be live and it will be in prime time in the UK and thus an afternoon slot in North America. Uh, Andrew Zarian has indicated that this is likely to be a a pay-per-view, much like the following week's all-out event. Does that change any of your Just your thought on all in and the best distribution model for AEW. Like, are you looking at this as strictly, this is a big event and make your money on pay-per-view? Or is this a branding exercise where this would be something that would be most valuable to get to the most amount of people to be a spotlight on your promotion? Do you lean either way of what's what's the best option for AEW if if they had their ability to distribute this however they please?
2: Long term, maybe it is TV to get in, in front of the lo- largest audience possible. Yet
0: you know, on the other hand, even if it's on pay-per-view,
2: you're still going to have lots of images and media throughout the internet and, and you can rear parts of it, you know, shots and clips on your TV afterward. Um, but I think this is going to be a pay-per-view. Um, things he said definitely leaned that way and got the Andrew Zarian report saying it, it will be. Um, he said he will confirm in due time, uh, and, in due time, and that everyone will be able to watch it live. Uh, and this was, I think it was being discussed in, in context with a possible expanded pay-per-view schedule, um,
0: which he certainly sounded like it, it sounded very much as though that's just an inevitability that there will yeah. be an expansion. It's just a matter of how many are we talking monthly or are we going to eight? I, I would say if you include ring of honor, I think we're going to have no less than 12 pay-per-views a year and maybe more. It sounds like WBD doesn't really want the ring of honor brand. So I think it's going to have to be, if it's going to be part of a, of a WBD deal. Um, yeah, I'm just stating, for, for like the consumer out there, like I think you can earmark three ROH pay-per-views per year on top of at least... Four, probably, you, right? They do four. Um, Ring of Honor? They do uh, the WrestleMania weekend card, Death Before Dishonor, Final Battle. Is there a fourth one in there? You may know better than I do. Okay. Um,
2: but they, but then there, there was a question on this call, too, about whether Blood and Guts could be a, a pay-per-view brand.
0: Maybe it could be. Um, you if you're holiday. expanding your calendar, yeah, it's, you know, suddenly a show like that. Is it, are you saving? Are you, are you able to build up to these big television events? If you're going back to pay per view every four to six weeks,
2: right? We'll
0: see yeah. what happens. So there you go, folks. Just you're going to have no free time and your wallet will be empty to the mm-hmm. wrestling fan. That's, that's what you're, you're facing at, at, at this point. Unless they, uh, lock into some streaming deal and you can have all this for 10 bucks a month. We will. We will see. Right. Um, it could end up being just like the W Peacock deal if, if all of these pay per views end up
2: being part of a monthly subscription
0: with max. Anything um collision was pretty consistent this week. And do you look at the Hamilton show any differently now that it was, you know, at this point after five weeks, it was it was the low point. Does that seem like an aberration, at least for the summer months before we head be into the holiday, the I guess. And maybe there raw- was Raw not
2: doing that that badly the day before the holiday maybe it was just an indication of Raw being pretty strong right now. And we've had Punk wrestle on all but the Hamilton show, all but that episode, yes, yeah, which he appeared yeah. on and did commentary for, but yes. but no match.
0: Maybe Liger drew that number on Saturday. Yes, I huge mean, appearance for Liger. You know, I was excited to see Dishon Liger in, in full gear, like he was going to wrestle. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he was excited for that appearance and then, uh, got there. And that was like, is this it? Is there anything else you yeah, want me to do? It, it, I, I hope they, they did something with him. I hope I they he just grabbed the, 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 trophy from him and walked away. That was it. Um, it, battle of the belts though. It did, you know, the third largest number in right. the, the seven shows that they have had. I think Tony Khan pretty much stated that you can expect battle of the belts to be piggybacking off of collision in the future of uh, those Saturday nights, which is, fine like they the show did better than i thought it would you know holding yes. that audience which is which is just sort of adding to the
2: the thought that maybe it's a good idea to make dynamite three hours look how well in the ratings this did you know and this was a battle of the belts a third hour at 10 o'clock on a saturday not, not even a sunday um but yeah it was um i i've seen the rankings for this, this saturday and the way nielsen nielsen it was a mess because of that satellite failure Um where like <laughs> uh, four minutes of collision of the previous week's collision aired in the middle of battle of the belts. So Nielsen has published it and this. I, I, I'm told this, this is the network. Um The network gets to decide what's, what's named what and all that stuff. So anyway, there's, you know, we, we know collision aired and then battle of the belts aired. Well, actually last week's collision aired for four minutes in the middle of battle of the belts. So there's two collision telecasts oh my that have been measured and that split battle of the belts in two like 36 minutes here and 40, and they got a, a three minute overrun too. So quarter hours are, are on the Patreon for all that
0: stuff. So. What a mess. Did this contribute to your, uh, your, your scraping difficulties or <laughs> no, was that a separate issue? No, no that's a I, battle of belts was not on the, uh, the spoiler list. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, last show we should talk about is, is SmackDown because this was a show without Roman Reigns. And yet but if people, real quick, if people want a collision rank,
2: number four on cable. So, according to the Fightful report, right? They want to see it in the top five. It did number four on cable this past Saturday.
0: Yeah. I would, I would think like a point two is your shooting target. And if you're hitting a point two, I think they're, they'd be very happy with it, with that number. And I'm curious to see like how much they like this Saturday, they're at the Prudential center. Like that's a really big arena. They've announced a trios title match thus far. And we'll see if tonight they, they put a big push on collision. Cause that is, you know, a, that's where the first uh blood and guts was supposed to be before the pandemic so that's it's right. a pretty pretty sizable arena maybe maybe brandon from new jersey will be making his way to the prudential center on saturday night i don't know if he'll be front row though um yeah smackdown i think the takeaway was the fact that the the bloodline segment was again the big difference maker on the show and it's the fact that a roman reignsless segment was still um by leaps and bounds the the highest segment on the show hitting about 2.5 million viewers, 949,000 in the demo. If my memory serves, yep, um, and- you, you got it. I'm
2: looking at it right now. It's it, yeah, exactly. Like even despite no, no Roman reigns, not even in this segment, but not on the show at all. Um, I mean, the show overall did a kind of normal number, but, but the bloodline segment, still the peak, even without reigns was, is a big takeaway to me to tell you, how hot the storyline in general is and maybe how hot the Usos by themselves are getting, just, you know, by virtue of being elevated through through the storyline.
0: Maybe it's not just all about Roman Reigns, but about the Usos too. And this Friday, they're on FS1 and they have they have plugged the hell out of this thing, like on SmackDown, on Raw, on NXT. I don't think there's any way you could not be aware that FS1 is carrying SmackDown this week. The last two times that SmackDown has been on was last October and December. They did 835,000 viewers on October 8th with a 0.23, and then 902,000 viewers in December, a 0.25. I would think for just the momentum this show has, Roman Reigns is on the episode for a big segment with Jay Uso. I think this certainly could be their best performance on fs1 and top a million viewers uh, i would think i would predict it will i, I think it's a, a, a big statement
2: for them being able to say we got this much of our audience that's usually on fox to go over here and the, be- the better they do the the, the nicer it is for, for them to be able to point to in terms of leverage for their tv deal not gonna make a huge difference but it's nice um and, and, but it is something that's really important in, in the thought process of thinking about whether or not SmackDown could actually go to, to Amazon Prime Video. Um, which is a, you know, a channel that as opposed to Fox, people probably rarely watch. They watch it sometimes and they watch, you know, video on demand there and they watch NFL on Thursday there sometimes. Um, but it's a big, it's a big move to, to move away from broadcast and all the reach despite the decline of TV, 88 million homes, I think still. According to I think Sports TV ratings was tweeting the households yesterday. I think it's 88 million homes that that get Fox, um, which is more than cable, obviously, which is at about you know the low 70s or something like that for the top cable networks. Um, but to move away from from that and to go to streaming, when you're already when you already have penetration into into the the non traditional TV homes that only do streaming. Through Peacock, I, th- I think it's something really effective that Nikon has talked about. That they're that they're on cable, they're on a strong cable network, USA. They're on a strong broadcast network, Fox, and then they're also uh, have, yeah, they have the PLES and the library content on on a streaming uh, service. So it's sort of redundant to go to take to take away Fox too in that context, and and to go to streaming to Prime Video, unless Amazon, which can afford it,
0: is going to pay them a whole lot of money. Did you hear uh, Tony Khan on the Dan Lebetard show on, uh, I believe it was on Wednesday when he was asked about uh, soccer players going to play in Saudi Arabia? I did hear this. This was uh, transcribed on, on Fightful. Tony Khan said, it's amazing. I think if you have enough money, you can get away with anything, including murder, and try to sign up all the top players in the world. Certainly they have approached a lot of great players. I'm very interested to see where this goes for us. We're definitely committed to keeping our top stars. We have a great team. We had a great season, one of the best seasons in the history of Fulham. And I'm really excited about this upcoming season.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: he, he knows uh, who's a major business partner of uh, the general entertainment authority. Yeah. It's um, it's, it's amazing to hear like the numbers that are being thrown out for this uh Francis Ngannou fight in October it's this guy is going to make more for this fight with Tyson Fury in Saudi Arabia uh than all of his UFC fights combined uh prior to this so this is going to be uh life-changing money uh for him as well and certainly not a like it it just seems like in combat sports it is like we we are far past the debate of Big fights going to Saudi Arabia. It's just like baked into it. Whereas I feel like in, in pro wrestling, I think there is still, um, an element of the, the ethics of, of, of that decision. But I think it's, that's definitely a, a minority viewpoint a, at this point. And it's just interesting to hear someone like a Tony Khan who, I mean, you would, you would think like, could this be a business opportunity that presents itself to AEW in the coming years? And would they, w- would they turn down such a, giant, uh, offer if it came their way from a country that has a questionable human rights record. Well, we we know the PGA would never work with, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) No, not at all. They would never. Um, one other thing to note is that, uh, the premier streaming network that we have discussed in the past, uh, they put out a press release on Wednesday that they will be the exclusive home of StarCast over all out weekend in Chicago, September 1st to 3rd. So this is uh, interesting because Starcast, in the past, they've offered up all their Q and As and stage shows they've broadcast exclusively on Fight and uh, Premier now has the exclusive rights for this. So we are we are well into the the wrestling streaming wars as uh, as Premier making a big big yeah. footprint here. When it comes to just as a like these Starcast events, you know they piggybacked off so many of the early. AEW pay-per-views. Do you think that makes a a big difference at all when it comes to people that are considering traveling for these shows? Like, how much did you associate Starcast with the sort of pay-per-view weekends that AEW was doing more so in their first year? Or is it something that it's? I, I
2: don't pay that much attention to it. I, I, but I'm I'm sure I'm you know not the typical person as far as that goes. Um, have they done every All Out weekend and slash All In weekend
0: so far? I think they've done outside of the pandemic. Outside the pandemic, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Did they do one last year when you were there? Last year Starcast was part of um SummerSlam weekend.
1: Oh that sounds that right. Rick, that's Summer.
0: That had right. Ric Flair's last match attached to it. That was SummerSlam weekend. They went to Nashville instead. Of course.
2: Yeah. But so so who's in do you know who's involved with Premier? Is that that's
0: um British Josh Chernoff and um others involved. Yes. Okay. So, it, I mean, I wouldn't have thought to that there is like a huge opportunity to compete with Fight, but they're going after it. Yeah, I mean, it's like Fight is sort of like the industry standard, I would say, for for most. It's like the go to, I would say, for a lot of streamers. But they obviously feel that there is a opening in 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 the market for this, and you know, getting Starcast, it's something for like a weekend uh, event. You almost wonder if it's something, if AEW saw a whole lot of value in this, like taking something like a Starcast and. Taking it in house. Um, they have all the performers. They're in town and you make it like an event weekend that you can sell people on as opposed to just come, come to town for the one night pay per view. Instead, we've got, you know, our collision taping. We've got events all weekend, or maybe it's just easier to have a third party handle this and it's going to draw people in and there's no added cost for us. Yeah. I think, uh, what was it? Go, go fight live. Right. I think uh, that's the lesson is that you need a third
2: party to handle this for you. Uh, that has a good reputation and good technology. Um, speaking of streaming, this is, uh, I feel like we're doing an on a W post, uh, investors call uh show here. Netflix has just reported their, uh, their second quarter earnings and all their subs and all their regions are slightly up. Um, so they are the one streaming service that is quite profitable maybe max supposedly is but uh yeah. peacock uh gc that peacock is raising their price point by one dollar starting next month Ooh. so i've got to think that means that i mean well comcast will report soon i think and they'll probably disclose if tradition holds uh what their peacock's subscriber count is and i gotta think it's uh plateauing here so maybe um in a year, still, the, we're still in a year-over-year year difference, probably in a, at a positive state as far as those numbers that WD discloses percentages. I should say that they, they disclose about how their their viewership is up. Um, like they're not going to tell you that viewership is down. Um, what, what did? Uh, Why don't yeah. we ever get a press release about that? <laughs> did, yeah. uh, did, did you listen to? We had a rough quarter. <laughs> did you listen to or- O'Ran and Marchand this morning? Uh, nobody ever announces bad news. Uh, no, they'll, they'll just stop doing it. So look forward to that.
0: Do you, do you sense everyone's going to follow Netflix and the lesson will be no more password sharing? That is the key. Eventually, yes. I think so. They have to. Um, I don't know what the it was the opposite. Me. It was not this revolt against Netflix that some might have thought it was going to be like, man, making it so hard for the user to just share passwords. And instead people, enough people realize this is a service I want and need and I'll sign up for it. It's worked out very well for them. I mean, s- streaming was over invested and you had this golden era of content
2: and i mean and now it's coinciding here with the the writer striking and the actor striking but um streaming there's no sign that it's going to be anywhere near as profitable as as the business that's in decline which is tv uh traditional tv so
0: guess who's going to inherit that cost you <laughs> <laughs> guess what folks are getting here. endless hours of pro wrestling your pay-per-views are going up it's going to be more pay-per-views you need to buy your subscription fees are going up you wanted to trade in cable. This is yeah. what you get. The bill you, comes you, due somewhere.
2: You wanted the flexibility of of not signing up for cable and not having the cable guy come over and, and and you know crawl around behind your TV. Well,
0: it was good for a few years. Last question here. What what do you see uh, for ESPN over this next year? What do you think? What do you think Bob Iger is going to do to ESPN? Yeah,
2: he says he knows when it's going to go direct to consumer. It's not yeah, going to That tell was so you. ominous, like just like
0: dangling it over people's head he's looking
2: for a strategic partnership maybe. And, um, maybe it's the talk this morning, I guess. I just don't know what that involves and what's, I'm I'm not, you know, knowledgeable enough in this area to say like, what, how does that benefit Disney or ESPN, uh, for, for two legacy media businesses to get together and and partner when it comes to, to ESPN. I don't know. Um, I I know NBCU wants the NBA, but, um, Yeah, I think in a couple of years, there's going to be some sort of super ESPN plus offering that will include access to the linear channels, to the traditional TV channels, including ESPN and ESPN2. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what the price point is for that because I imagine it's still going to, I imagine it will still exist as a streaming option, but also be distributed on traditional TV carriers. And what's the, what are the sort of speculated and estimated costs of ESPN, you know, per subscribers like in the $7 range or something like that. So I think it's gotta be something well in ex- excess of that. So they're not undercutting those existing relationships.
0: We did have a super chat here, and this is my bad for missing this during the uh, the Chris Stamps interview, but this comes from uh Bruce Lord sports stats can spell myths and untruths, but your work can be used to help build stories and pro wrestling as well as analyze them. Are you thinking about the storyline purposes your data could have when you're gathering it? and? Yeah, we talked about this a bit and I would, I would think so in not so much in the, in the sense that I think he's just compiling a lot of his data that it is, it's sort of a lot what, what you do, Brad. And instead of just having this faucet of numbers and stats, it's how do we take these numbers and stats and turn them into a, a story that's easily digestible and meaningful, meaningfully resonate with your audience? I think it's no different than, what a Kevin Kelly has to do in terms of taking a bunch of these stats, like what, what do these numbers tell us and how can we further a, an online narrative that attaches people to follow someone's, you know, tournament. And it's like, as well, like beyond your, your color coding skills, uh, Brandon, it's like, what do these numbers mean? That's essentially what every reader is looking for is like looking at like what, what am I being told here? What is my takeaway from this? That's exactly what
2: I'm doing, according to many people, is, is furthering an online narrative. No, um, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, 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 I, like, I think it's hard. Like, I, I think like personally, like, but, like maybe just one of my intellectual weaknesses is that like, I, I find it hard to understand stuff sometimes. Just, you know, a lot of data I get like overwhelmed by. And maybe that's where sort of my response is to do stuff like this. And, but, but to boil data, a lot of it down into something that's actually important and that you can have an insight and a takeaway, get some meaning out of this mess of data, but not just that. I mean, maybe I can, with my spreadsheet, understand something or have a have a strong takeaway about something, but to put it in a way that is digestible
0: to an average reader is, is another challenge. So, you know, that's what we do. So as of this week's Vice TV schedule we are going to be joined by david bixenspan in two weeks time to talk about bash at the beach 2000 unless they just push this episode off until god knows when um they're not gonna they're not gonna withhold david bixenspan from coming on our show so he'll be on uh sooner rather than later next week open week brandon so we will uh we will confer off air about who will be joining us uh, next week people are more than welcome to throw in their their ideas and thoughts we have a We've shot for some heavy hitters and some of them are just, uh, contemplating coming on. We're awaiting responses yeah. with bated breath. About it. Uh, yes. But you never know who's going to show up on Pollock and Thurston. But in the meantime, you can always have plenty of Pollock and Thurston in your ears every Sunday for patrons at wrestle, uh, patreon.com slash wrestlenomics. You can catch Brandon Thurston with Chris Gullo and Jesse Collings, who I believe yes. is going to Blood and Guts tonight. He's he one he, of those. He
2: was. He updated me today that he's, he's, he's a, he's got important uh, reporting work to do. He's not going to be able to make it. Uh, tonight. Oh boy. Um, Did he contact WrestleTix? ticks? I don't think so. So he just, uh, there's an asterisk, the minus there. so I guess next, next That's to it. that number. Um, but no, he, I don't think he, he had a, he might've, I don't know. He might've been getting media access. I was going to make sure that he had a, a ticket secured, uh, through, through Russell Knox, though. Um, but yeah, it'll, we'll be on, on Sunday talking about all of the latest wrestling business news with all of our visual elements and things of that nature. Um, don't know what exactly what it will be on it, but the news of,
0: of the week and uh, all the slides I put together. In Never a shortage of topics. Yes. And Way and I are back tonight, 10 Eastern. YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling will be live minutes after Dynamite talking about blood and guts, all the latest news. And tonight on the cafe, we will also be talking about Abdullah the Butcher. Legacy of blood, and there was a lot of blood on this episode, and discussions of blood. So that is all coming up tonight, and then uh, G1 coverage continues at postwrestlingcafe.com. You can follow along with the contest and all of the shows, shows covering each and every G1 through August the 13th. We just put up an episode Tuesday night with myself and W.H. Park, who is in fine form. Oh, G1 yes. Season. I listen to it. He oh, is. Oh, boy. I can uh, Yes, as uh, Wei Ting has uh, referred to him as... <laughs> privately to me, uh, he is the new Jack of our post wrestling <laughs> network in that he comes in. He's just, uh, he, he's the, the big personality. The big and, and if you want to taste, you can listen to the first five minutes, I believe for free on, That's on the right. Patreon.
2: They, because Patreon lets us do that, that preview thing with the audio. So you can hear the first five minutes of,
0: of, uh, of new Jack coming to the ring. Yes. They don't make it easy uh, easy Patreon for us Canadians, especially with, uh, filing taxes, but. For those first five minutes, they're great. So check that out, uh, patreon.com slash postwrestling. We're back next week. Uh, look out for that. And of course, WrestleNomics each and every Sunday. That's it. Thank you to Chris Sampson for joining us. All of you as well uh, for tuning in live and have a great week. Thanks.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies.